minutes while I was fiddle fucking around. Well, you know, gotta do something to entertain myself while you're fiddle fucking around. <laughs> well, I mean, you do, what I'm trying to say though is that you do a great southern lawyer. Mm. It's pretty good, Brad. It's I do, good. thank you, sir. It's it's much better than the movie that I made you watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, what's funny is I remember when this movie came out, and I remember going, no, hell no, I don't know, uh-uh, not getting my money. And for years, I managed to avoid this until I met you and we started doing this nonsense. <laughs> Which and is, now, hey, hey, everybody, welcome to HPV. I'm Chris. <laughs> I'm Brad. Hey, and hey, hey everybody. I made watch Bra- bullshit. I, I made Brad watch From Paris with Love. Yeah, if there was ever a movie that could exemplify our title of we watch bullshit yeah i think i picked a golden nugget yes for that uh, one. this is a good gold standard right here this okay. is one of the most bullshittiest bullshit movies that has ever fucking i i don't know how this got made and that's kind of oh, what well... i wanted to talk about too but yeah from paris with love okay go, go. initial observations okay greatest well, film of all time fuck no not even close Terrible script writing, um, the reveals, and the twists and turns. Okay, here's the thing. Luc Besson, as a filmmaker, acknowledged very early on that uh, he loved comic books when he was growing up. And you can see the influence of comic books in sort of his presentation for a lot of his movies. You could see it in The Professional. You could see it in Fifth Element. You can even see it here. But... Um, as you had pointed out, this was more of a movie that was from Luc Besson's production company rather than it was an actual hands-on Luc, B- Luc Besson Yeah, this movie. just has his name slapped on it. Yeah, exactly. And you can tell the deficit in creativity when you're looking at this movie because it clearly was um, an international... Uh, attempt project international project with uh people who were being very successful in specific uh types of roles now here's the thing that you will never convince me of that john travolta is a world weary super sassy special agent assassin bad guy no fucking way no. I don't buy it. And certainly not with his appearance in with this With the film. shaved head and the goatee and the rude earring, what, like crosses on his ear? Oh, it's a, a big hoop. No, it's a big, uh, big old hoop earring, buddy. It's a hoop, but it's got like the, these crosses within the hoop in the middle of it because I'm like looking at this thing going, why the fuck... Does that look so weird? Yeah. I mean, okay, so maybe it's, he's trying to do a pirate thing? He looks insane. But is, you know, this is the thing. He's the most conspicuous dude in the world. Absolutely. And he doesn't look insane. He looks like someone who is really trying hard to impress you that somehow they're a badass and that they are <laughs> capable of impressive violence and that you should be scared of them. 
outwardly, you can see that that's the costume. But clearly, as you look at this individual, you look at their face, especially how fat the face is, and you look at those eyes, which clearly have never actually, probably never even actually killed anything. Like, if there's a rat or a cockroach, they uh-huh. have assistance to kill vermin for them. They've never even, you know, like, probably never even had a puppy that died. That they really had to deal with death. You don't see this in Travolta's eyes. This was probably before his wife actually died. Okay? Just saying. This performance, this character, this presentation is so laughably bad and implausible. It is, I can't watch this movie with any sense of, of uh, it, believability. No. And it's, how do I want to say, a... Even a like thirteen year old boy would look at this and go, "This is stupid." That guy's stupid. Like, yeah, it's not even like young teenage boy cool. But that's what it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. tr- it's trying really hard to like appeal to teenagers. I think trying very hard. Yeah, I mean Jonathan Reese Myers, he delivers a very good uh, performance. I think for the character that he's given. He hits the numbers in the scenes. I'm willing to accept that he's kind of this naive guy. But, okay, what was that fucking Denzel Washington movie with Ethan Hawke? Uh, Training Day. Training Day. That's all this is, dude. This is like Ooh, a Luke Besson version. No, dude, this is a Luke Besson version of Training Day where they're like, oh, okay, we're just, instead of having it be the gritty streets of L.A., we're going to make it this international terrorist uh, thing and John Travolta is going to come in of, or Paris. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Which are not the gritty streets of Paris at all. I mean, there are some areas where you're like, okay, so there are bad guys here because clearly these actors are costumed up to, to look like bad guys. Yes. And there are a few stuntmen who actually know how to fall down. But <laughs> I mean, you watch this movie and the twists and turns are just like, what? What? How? No, no. And the comparison to Training Day, dude, they have the whole scene where uh, Travolta's like, Oh yeah, we forgot about the most important character in the film, a vase full of cocaine that they just wander around with. The vase... For at least 40 minutes of the movie. The vase is is the key uh, member of the escort mission that they're that they're carrying around, making sure that it survives until they need to break it. They break it so unnecessarily, too. Because you're like, well, now now that all that shit's on the floor, the threat that you're going to try to pin this on these other guys is they're absolutely like, gone. It's yeah, it's gone. Packaged. Well, the Coke's on the floor now, it's not, so... It's not packaged and ready for delivery. Literally, all they had to say was, yeah, big, weird, bald American dude came in and dropped a vase full of cocaine. Yeah. Probably that dude who's on a murder rampage through the city. Yeah, that guy who's probably on every street security camera, every <laughs> store shopping uh, district camera, all of those things. The bald American with the goatee and the big ugly earring on the left side of his ear. Oh, also he's in a big burly uh, leather vest and he wears this ugly fucking scarf to kind of hide his chin fat. So you don't get that he's actually a 50-year-old man pretending to try and be a tough guy at half his age. Fuck John Travolta in this movie, dude. I mean, seriously. Oh, my God. And that's kind of why I wanted to watch this movie. <laughs> because, like... 
this falls under there's a few other ones that are exactly like this there are a lot of john travolta movies yes <laughs> where it seems like he's the only one enjoying it well here's the thing because the general's daughter is the exact same way everybody else in it is fine but they look like they're just like playing a character and john travolta's being wacky and doing voices and cutting it up and mm. like what the fuck is this? Why yeah. is John Travolta the only one like having a good time? No, I didn't see that one either. Because I tell you, all of these are post-pulp fiction. And by the way, fuck this movie for the Pulp Fiction Royale with cheese reference. Suck my dick, whoever wrote that shit in there. But it's really bad. It's, it's just super so... ham-fisted. Yeah. He meets some like spooks or what look like spooks from some Dude, agency on a bridge they <laughs> kill all of these guys they collect this massive amount of intel they've got all of this shit in like a box that they hand over to these two guys who are like good to see you man you take care they hand him a brown paper bag could be cash could be guns could be jewels could be anything and jonathan reese myers is like oh hey what is that and he's like Oh, oh, the this, only payment I'll take for this kind oh, of job. What does he say? Th these things are going to... Oh, what's in this bag is going to kill me someday. Yeah, what's in this bag is going to get me killed one of these days. Pulls it out. He's like, Royale with cheese. Mm, and he bites into it just like a fucking McDonald's commercial. Suck my dick, Travolta. Yeah, okay, we know you were in Pulp Fiction. And you know what? Pulp Fiction saved Travolta's career. It sure Just did. Just like it did with Bruce Willis. They were on the downslope, and then suddenly there was this guy who said, you know what? I want to make a movie, and I want celebrities who really, maybe they're a bit past their prime, but they still got it, and they can do these roles. I believe in these guys. And those guys came and realized this was their opportunity to rejuvenate their career. They take it, took it, did the gig, Got their careers back, and then here is Travolta, like with fucking General's Daughter and From Paris with Love, cashing in as much as he can on that wave of his career coming back and being like, okay, I'm going to be uh, this, 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 and this. I don't care if it makes sense. These are roles that I want to play, and in the moment, I'm an A-list actor, so I'm going to choose the scripts. I'm going to be John Gotti in what is widely regarded one, as one of the worst movies ever One made. of the worst. <laughs> I mean, dude. Yeah, and that's another great example. But here, here is a moment where you can kind of... I mean, Travolta is interesting because of the rise and rise of his career, the way that it had gone. He understood enough about the system to be able to cash in on the rise that he got from Pulp Fiction. And then also he did um, Get Shorty. Remember? Very popular. He appeared in a few other movies that were popular. Don't ask me to name what the fuck they were. But he also appeared in these other projects that were basically like, Travolta, what the fuck are you doing? Broken Arrow. Broken Arrow. Pile of garbage. But he cashed a paycheck and he got to work with John Woo. See, now... And Christian Slater. Don't forget about, don't well, forget yeah, about the but, Slate Man. But one of the things that, um, that we're getting to with this, and thank you for bringing it back around, is that this was a time when international filmmakers were being given breaks in Hollywood. And so this From Paris with Love was an example of that, where you had an American A-lister at the time who was aligned with an international director who was very well known for his movies. And this was a way that before we got into the current structure of um, 
deals and negotiations with movies before things really before before Europe really started to take over as principal financiers for international movies. Okay, we had situations where the Hollywood actor, the Hollywood movie was still very much the Hollywood movie, but this was how they were getting their blockbusters was by aligning with international filmmakers who were already known for their own works. Uh, Fifth Element is an example of that. The John Woo Broken Arrow movie is an example of that. The Mission Impossible um, 2, I think it was with John, John Woo. Woo yep. Yeah. You know, so each of these movies are examples of in the 90s finding these international filmmakers who were making a name for themselves and just throwing fucking Hollywood money at them, being like, okay, well, if we give you a budget, how much money can we make? You know, and for the most part, these movies, even though they didn't have a huge track record, or maybe they did well in the United States, the larger point was that it was intended for the international audience. So even though I think Travolta looks like a douche with his bald head, his goatee, and his earring, somebody out there likes him looking like that in that scarf and that leather jacket because I, Brad, I that movie sold. I imagine that is true. <clears throat> somebody had to because they paid him a shitload of money to dress that way. You know what I mean? I mean, granted, he probably had in his contract that he had control over the character, what the character looked like, and all of that stuff. I'm sure that was part of it, but... But this is still an international project, so there was still some sort of input in on his look and how he would act and all of that stuff. It's, it know? just it just amazes me though that anyone would think that this is in any way even acceptable as a character for a film. It's it's so outlandishly stupid that we're introduced to him yelling about energy drinks that he wants to bring into the country. And spouting off a bunch of uh, not really intelligent, but just quickly said bullshit. Yeah, stupid. Just um, what do they what do they call those things? Where it's just um, um, it's not like sound. It's not epithets, but it's it's just like you know he's just spouting these little catchphrases for the time or whatever it is to just be like, oh, I'm representing myself as a dumb American. Yeah, this is what I'm doing, and I'm doing it deliberately, and I'm causing this scene, and it still doesn't. The okay, look, the whole hinge of introducing his character is that we don't know exactly who this guy is, but he's some loudmouth American that Jonathan Reese Myers, whatever the fuck his character's name is, he he's trying to crack the. Uh, Crack open wide the door into being a super spy and, and joining the whole league. Okay, and he so keeps we getting probably... these phone calls from this guy saying, well, if you want to be in the big time, you got to do this. You got to do this. So we see him doing this so shit. We should set this up because it's I very am setting fu- this up. I know. So, it's very funny. <laughs> so he gets a call saying, you got to go to the airport and get this guy. His name is, what is it? Charlie Wax. Charlie Wax, which but... is like. But we, but we need to bring up, though, uh-huh. that Jonathan Reese Meyers' character is doing this as, like, a side hustle, like, as favors for this weird international intelligence right. ring. Yeah, officially, he's an assistant to... Yeah, his day job is, like, he's a, the personal aide to, like, the ambassador. 
Exactly. But he's moonlighting as a super spy at night. <laughs> yeah. Like, we have this whole scene where he sets up a microphone to listen into, and the scene is absurd. He fumble drops the microphone three times. Somehow we're supposed to believe that nobody, including yeah. his boss, is noticing him fidgeting around and acting like a douche. And he eventually staples the fucking mic after to the, a hardwood table. How the fuck do you do that? After this, like, <laughs> meeting of this delegation mm-hmm. leaves this international meeting, they leave him alone in this man's alone. office. By himself, there's no security. He just hangs behind as they all leave and nobody says... Hey, you need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, uh-huh. Hey, aren't be... you the ambassador's assistant? Well, the you ambassador should... is that, that way. way. You should probably... Maybe you should be, you know, doing your job following the fuck... No, I'm stapling a fucking microphone under the table. Hang on just a minute. Give me a minute, okay? I'll be right there. No, don't worry about what I'm doing. It's don't worry. perfect. It's perfectly fine. So, he gets a call and, saying, and, Oh, okay. man, you so stapled the, the microphone though. under the table. Good move, man. Here's now thing, I got though. a new job. Here's the thing, Brad. Go ahead. I appreciate that happening within the first 10 minutes, because if you can get through that, it pretty much is telling you this is what this is going to be. Yeah, a complete this travesty is, of sensibility. Yeah, this yeah. is going to be stupid. Yeah. So if you want to continue, you'll get more of this. Well, We're very upfront with how dumb this movie is, and I appreciate that. I have to admit, you're right. Okay. <laughs> And I do appreciate that because I guarantee you, if we were not doing this, that's where I would have checked out of the movie right <laughs> yeah, there. I would I'd have been like, you shit. have got to be shitting me. If you can't no way. that, just know that like once you see that and go, oh, oh, it's this movie. And it's the best gonna part be one is, of these. while all of this fumbalaya bullshit is happening, we don't see John Travolta. Ever. They keep him a big reveal secret. Like he's so and this is what I'm gonna get to, dude. Okay. So uh, mysterious phone call. Oh, go pick up this guy at the airport. You got to make sure you get him out of there. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. Jonathan Reese Myers goes over there and through a window, he sees bald goatee earring. Jonathan, John Travolta never changes his wardrobe through the whole fucking movie, nope. by the way. However many, uh, anyway. It's only so like a day and a half. We see him arguing over these cans of like sport drink. Yeah, energy drinks. And he's like, I need all of these energy drinks. Here, look. And he cracks one open, takes a drink, says, here, you take a drink. Now, okay, on one hand, you're like, okay, he's showing that these are actually sports drinks. Then later, they clear him out of there. We're not even going to talk about it. Clear him out of there. He's in the car, and he's like, well, these aren't uh, sport drinks. Look. And he opens up like four or five other cans disassembles them and extracts pieces of a semi-automatic pistol that he assembles and says, this is my favorite gun. Nobody's taking this from me. Now, let me ask you. Yes, If you're sitting there, if you're a cop, and you're sitting there looking at all of these sport drink cans, aren't you going to, like, shake them, rattle them around? I mean, the pieces of the gun aren't shown as being in there secure. Metal has weight yes. that's different than a beverage in a can. It sure does, Brad. A beverage in a can feels different than, like, say, uh, the slide pick, of a pistol. And when you pick up a can that is empty, mm-hmm. you can tell that it is empty. Yeah. 
Because it would crinkle inwards because yeah. aluminum's not that strong. Brad. Exactly. It's and the worst setup in the history of film, and it's the best. Particularly because the construction of that pistol has the pistol grip mounted to the lower part of the gun, meaning that there's no way you can actually disassemble that section and put it into one of these energy drink cans. But who gives a fuck? No one cares. It just looks cool that no, he's Travolta got, got one over on the on the the French customs. Yeah, on the customs agents. Thank you. Yeah, because that's just how clever he is. And clever because, and smart. And because this super special secret agent spy just flew Delta. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't brought right. in by the military or any sort of government. Yeah, comes agency. in on a civilian plane, no credentials, with a bag full of guns. Literally. Literally. How, I mean... How do you get them onto the plane? The minute you unzip the bag and those cans start rolling, just the sound and the... the okay, so so there's that. And um, there's the implausibility. Now, okay, I said this during the movie. I'll say it here. I might have been able to actually buy this movie a lot more if Travolta had not been cast. Uh-huh. If they had actually cast someone like maybe even a stand-up comic, you know, or someone who Josh Hartnett. Well, now say for now, okay. I was just throwing a name out there, sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to derail everything. No, no, not at Josh all. Josh Hartnett. But, but moreover, see now handsome man though. Oh, undoubtedly. But would he be able to play the insanity level that you would need to see now forgive the reference but mel gibson lethal weapon first lethal weapon movie right mm -hmm. that guy that performance that character he needs help unpredictable like dangerously unpredictable is yes. he gonna is he gonna make a joke out of something or is he gonna become suicidal and start swinging on people there's a real sense of danger there now if you had an actor who was not John Travolta, <laughs> who actually had some authentic life experience where he could be dangerous, mm -hmm. right? Now, Michael Shannon is someone who comes to mind, you know? Ooh. Imagine Yeah, yeah but that, should, that changes the dynamic of this film immediately. Well, admittedly so, yeah. So, it, it immediately makes it grittier. Maybe a stand-up comic or something like that, someone who, who Dennis could... Dennis Leary. You know what? I would even be willing to go with someone like that. I would. Just because, if nothing else, he has the ability to do the offhanded, sarcastic observation mm -hmm. that Travolta's trying to do. And when Travolta's doing it, you're like, shut up, you bitch. <laughs> Whereas Dennis everything Leary is like... Everything that he says to try and act cool is about 20 years out of date, even at this point. Yes! Man, it was so, it literally like was painful because... Where they go back to Jonathan Reese Meyers' house and he says, that, all right, it's time to start this party. Let's party. I was like, the fuck, you are a 55-year-old man. What we were the saying fuck that when I was in about? high school. Why the fuck are you saying that now? You're supposed to, I mean, even if you're in your 50s, you're supposed to be someone who basically is supposed to be hip and with it and all of this stuff, you know? I mean, that's, that's the impression that I'm being given because I'm constantly being forced to watch these scenes where you're trying to be clever and all of these things. You're not. No. But. Trying to, it's a real like, yeah, 
it, what a teenager would think was cool, but wrong because it's a 50 year old man guessing what a teenager would think is cool. Yeah. It's ludicrous and it's the best. Now, so um, he goes and picks them up from the airport and mm-hmm. they decide to go to the Chinese restaurant because that's where uh, apparently they needed to go. Okay, so so here's the thing, dude. <laughs> I don't have the patience to go through scene by scene with this movie and detail the story. What I, I, I just will wanted say... to talk about the cocaine from the ceiling because oh, that's yes, how they okay. get the cocaine. All right, so yeah, so... So, okay, there are a few highlights on this movie that we definitely should discuss. What I, what I want to say first, though, is that every fucking scene in this movie with Travolta starts off with, what? We're just here to do something really casual. And then Travolta suddenly is like, you know what? I'm going to single out this guy or girl or whatever. He starts acting nuts. Jonathan Reese Myers is like, what are you doing? And then suddenly guns come out, violence happens, and you realize, oh, why Travolta had a plan this whole time. That He's is so of, clever and smart. That is and one that of is the, so fucking tiring in this fucking movie, dude. That is one of the biggest flaws with this film, is yeah. that John Travolta is always one step ahead when your audience Somehow. has no idea. Yeah. There's, and there was never time for him to meet these people, make these connections, plan these events, but they all seem to happen bang, 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 exactly how we had planned them. Yes. And that is the major downfall, because if you're going to make a stupid action movie, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But you cannot have a character who's constantly smarter than your audience and sees what's coming when Mm -hmm. we have no idea. Yeah. If they're surprised, that's when you get good action, a la your Indiana Jones, even your Mission Impossibles, because, yes. you know, the mission always fucks up. Now they're in trouble back against the wall. Yeah, and he you is... can see them be surprised. Oh, whoops, this yeah. didn't go the way it was supposed to. Oh, no. To. Yeah. Everything here is not only premeditated to the point of being absolutely ridiculous, Yeah. and that completely draws your interest away, because it's, oh, well, John Travolta's got this handled. Yeah. What, what really is the threat if he ultimately just flips out, kills everybody, and everything's fine? Yeah, and then kills everybody and says, oh, well, we need to go to this place next. How could you possibly know yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, because I remind you, dear friend who does not need reminding, that Travolta flies into the airport as a civilian. So there's no reference to any tactics there's no reference to any pre-planning, except one moment where he tells um, Jonathan Reese Myers, "Oh yeah, I read your file. I know you know this. You're a chess player. Yeah, you're a chess player. I read your file." Three scenes later, he's like, "Wait, you speak Mandarin? How do you know that?" It's like you read his file. You're telling me you didn't read the section of languages this guy could speak, but you know he's a chess player. Get fucked it's so and so somehow you know this this genius of a planner is able to you know do the training day with jonathan reese myers <laughs> they go into this chinese restaurant and he's like after shooting everybody except one guy and who knows why this guy is so important he's like where's the blow where's the blow and the guy's like there's no blow jonathan reese myers is like And actually, this reminds me of um, fucking uh, Fight Club, where um, they pull the the shop owner out 
And he's like, what are you doing? Well, tomorrow this is what you're going to do. Go run away, right? Yeah. And Ed Norton's like, what the fuck was the point of that, right? Only in this movie, there's no real point to any of this shit. He shoots up the ceiling. All of this cocaine starts to fall out. Now, visually, it's really cool, okay? It, it's it's the... It's the from the it's ceiling. It's the Tango version. and Cash. I was just gonna say it's yeah. Tango and Cash, yeah. but from the ceiling. Yeah, exactly. And that's the other reason I hate this movie is because I get the fucking references. God damn it! Come <laughs> yeah. on. Man. I watch action movies, you ass. Yeah. Uh -huh. You know what, Luke? You could have been a little more creative in what you were doing with the presentation here. You know. But anyway, so they got cocaine falling from the ceiling, which also. As we noted, not how cocaine works. That means that they just had rooms with, like, a mountain and a shovel in cocaine. Well, it also means that they had cocaine just loosely in between the floorboards so that when they were shooting up into the ceiling, into the room above it, that space between the floorboards just nicely allowed this coke to just fall out like, like sand. Same through the hourglass. <laughs> These are the days of our lives. Yeah, exactly. So... Travolta's like, hey, genius training day kid, get a vase and start gathering up this cocaine. Why? It's still we falling don't know. from the ceilings at a rapid pace. Yeah, now, this didn't occur to me until you just said that, but we are literally talking about what has to be kilos, kilos and kilos of cocaine. Thousands. Because it's literally all of these bullet holes. It has to be at least 30 bullet holes where this shit is draining out constantly in a steady flow. I mean, even just standing there, if that was real blow, even just standing in that, you're, you're going to get fucking lit uh -huh. just because this shit's floating in the air. Uh -huh. Right? So. <laughs> so. And that's when we get the vase of cocaine as a main character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because suddenly Travolta's like, hey. Get this vase, fill it full of cocaine, because the cocaine's just falling through the ceiling. It's easy, you know. And now we'll carry it around for the next 20 minutes, half hour. Through several fights. That was a crazy thing. Because I was like... John Travolta fights an entire gang of Asian teens. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, okay, so... It's we ridiculous. Haven't, we haven't exactly done justice to how absurd this is because the vase is about i'm gesturing with my hands even though no one can see it but the vase oh. is about three feet tall it's, it's enormous open at the top with an aperture that's got to be at least a six inch aperture and it's supposed to be filled relatively to the brim we with know cocaine. that because there's at one point they slam on the brakes and he only lurches forward and cocaine shoots out of the top of it so it all is over the dashboard filled into the, the rim. <laughs> yeah. Now, this that particular moment where that stuff spills out is after Tra Travolta has fought off however many teenage uh, <laughs> Asian Chinese trying to get him and, and gone through, what, a motorcycle? Fight. And a gunfight in the mannequin factory. Full-on fucking gunfight in a mannequin factory that apparently is below the Chinese restaurant slash cocaine factory. It, it's above... Uh, or it's below where the boss is having his granddaughter's yeah. like recital. Yeah. In a warehouse. Yeah. Okay. So, granddaughter's <laughs> recital, warehouse this, full this of big, cocaine. This big like <laughs> and uh, mannequin factory. I, I don't know if it's what specific nation. So I'll just say it's a big like Asian themed child's play, and obviously they're the Asian cocaine gang. So. uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> and that's all that needs to be said about so, that situation. So, so John Travolta kills a stairway full of people. And then a literal they, stairway. And then, yeah. they, and then they just tell the old man that give us the address of the man who delivers all of your cocaine. As yeah, if now, he has this exact address memorized. Yeah. And, I mean, okay. So, I said we wouldn't do this, but we have to fucking do this, dude. Now, Travolta... obligation. Travolta takes out a gang of people on a stairwell. How do we know this? Because the camera actually follows Jonathan Reese Myers up the stairwell. Yeah, because he While doesn't... these bodies drop down... Because Travolta doesn't want any of the bad guys, quote, crawling up his ass. So, he has to stay behind him. So, we never see... Travolta actually do anything with these guys in terms of like any tactics or anything like this. Now, I suppose it's a, it's intended to be funny or kind of an amusing sort of thing. Here's, here's oh my goodness, that guy's dead. Oh, here's another body yeah. falling down. Jonathan Grace Myers yesterday was working for the goddamn ambassador. Today he is climbing a stairwell in an Asian gang factory, holding a vase full of cocaine and watching literal bodies rain from the heavens. By this psychotic bald man who's just barking orders at him, telling him that this is what's happening and you just have to get along or go home. Yes. Uh, okay. Um, I think I would have called my boss a while ago and said, who the fuck is this guy? I'm done with all of this. Yeah. Uh-huh. And there is a moment where he calls that that strange man on the phone who gave him the assignment. And he's like, never explained. Never explained. And he's like, hey, who is this crazy guy? And the guy says, do whatever Wax says. <laughs> and don't call me again. And hangs up on him. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, great. That's the, that's the extent of the exchange. Lovely. Okay. So welcome to the spy biz. And then they do go and do cocaine at the Eiffel Tower out of their vase. Oh my God. That was one of my favorite fucking scenes. They're in the middle. In the open. They're in a crowded elevator going to the top of the fucking Eiffel Tower. And they're both dipping their fingers into this cocaine. Into this gigantic face. I I cannot understate how large this thing is. He is carrying it like a seven-year-old child. And I keep forgetting to mention this. There's no plug. There's no stopper. They don't even, like, take a a T-shirt, ball it up, and try to close off the vase through all of the running around. Running, jumping. Gunfights. Gunfights. This vase is open. Coke should be flying out of this thing left and right. You know, they should both be just smeared in Coke dust. Yes. And somehow, what is they say it's five kilos that they've got in that vase. There, there is no way. There's five no way it's five kilos. would have filled that up like a sixth of the way, maybe. Oh, well, so, so that's what they say. Five kilos is in this anyway, vase. Anyway, yeah. I think... That that vase probably maybe could have held uh, maybe three or four at the most. Oh, I And the way that they're tossing it around, it makes me think that by the end of it, the vase should have had maybe half a kilo at the bottom at best. But yeah, they are just openly dipping their hands (laughs) into a vase full of blow in front of a crowd and just snorting blow off their bare hands. A crowd of civilian tourists. At an international. (laughs) At the Eiffel Tower. And nobody reacts. 
Nobody not looks a at them. single person is like, hey, now, man, I'm I, on a family vacation. You <laughs> mind not doing coke in the fucking elevator? Now, I can understand what Travolta looking as bizarre as he is. Maybe you don't want to have a conversation with him directly, but where the fuck's security, right? Now, here's the funny thing, too, is I actually looked at the extras as they were disembarking the elevator and all of that, and there's one blonde woman who's got this smile on her face like, look at these two idiots, right? <laughs> and I thought, it was, I thought it was one of the most authentic performances in the whole movie that I saw, right? <laughs> Possibly because, the only. Yeah, because she's she literally is like, you know, just... I would believe that she, as a, as a civilian in Paris, might have seen these two idiots, heard their accents, recognized that at least one of them was American, right? And was like, look at these idiots. No, I'm not even going to get involved, <laughs> yeah. and I'm just going to keep on walking. I, I mean, that's sh- what her face said to me, you know? to do today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, okay, that I can kind of buy. I'm just on my daily trip to the top <laughs> of the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> And I mean, dude, that elevator is packed. You're telling me there's no cameras around anywhere? No, there's, there's no security. There's, I'm sure. There's no concierge. Okay. That is an international attraction. I'm sure there is some sort of fee to enter the Eiffel Tower. I'm sure that is not just free. Well, not for John Travolta. It's free. It's free for right, him. But that, free for him. Unless they wander, like, cut up some chain link fence and somehow snuck in. They went through some sort of a... Hey guys, okay, come on in. It, it's a natural attraction, or not natural, an international attraction. Right, right. Nobody. But, hey guys, what's that vase for? Well, I honestly here, dude. I don't anyway, even think that's matter. half the problem. It doesn't. Matter. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think that's half the problem. Fundamentally, the vase is wide fucking open, so you wouldn't even have to be like, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" Why are you dipping your fingers into that thing? You What's just that have to, powder you're you dipping? You just have to tiptoe a little. Yeah. Go, what? Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, or just guys. walk right up. Hey, guys. Dunk. And get your own little thing. Oh, look at that. What so, the fuck is this, guys? Anyway. So after getting coked out at the Eiffel Tower, they decided yeah. to go get a hooker. And this, well, this is why I say the training day reference. Because yes. there's this whole bit where Travolta is like, Oh, you got to do this blower. I don't believe you. And Jonathan Reese Myers is like, no, I'm a good upstanding citizen. I'm not going to do this. And he's like, if you don't do it, then we're done. And Jonathan is like, oh, no, man. Okay. So he goes and he does the blow. And then he starts having these weird visual yeah. effects that don't happen with cocaine. Hallucinate. Yeah, I cocaine don't know. hallucinations. I mean... I don't know what that cocaine was cut with. This is Supposedly also, just cocaine and flour, according to the expert This is Travolta. also after John Travolta tells him the story of the reason that they went there to bust these Chinese gang members was because the defense secretary's Daughter, niece did some niece, of this yeah, cocaine and, and OD'd died. immediately. Right. So it's a revenge trip. But they're just openly doing said same cocaine. Well, you know, you got to test the product. I think they to make forgot sure. <laughs> that they wrote that part in earlier. Well, see, now this is what gets me as well is okay, so they used that. Then they somehow, because I'm not, not going to try to remember how, but they take this vase after other action sequences and, and absurdities, get into this location where they're like, okay, we're going to bust you guys for this cocaine 
Yeah, oh, they try and go buy Coke from the black gang. Yeah. So they go and try and buy Coke, and they're like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll take five kilos of this. And, and the gang is like, we don't have that much. You're yeah, out we of your can mind. sell five grams. And Jonathan Reese Myers has to tell him that five grams is considered personal use. They can't get busted for, dis- oh, okay. for distribution. Yes. For international audiences who don't know the local laws about cocaine in France, okay, there's this wonderful piece of dialogue that says, hey, if you've got five grams of Coke, Jonathan Reese Myers advises Travolta, you're okay. You can carry five grams. P- people aren't going to do anything. That's why they've only got five grams. They're I, not going to have well, kilos. What I think is that that's a lower charge because anything over yeah. five grams, you're looking at 15 years. Which Exactly. Is why and that's more. the point. Anything over five grams, you're looking at 15 years. So everybody carries less than that. And Travolta's like, well, yeah, but I said five kilos. And everybody's just standing there. Pointing guns at them. Pointing guns at them. And he's like, I said five kilos. And then Jonathan Reese Myers goes, oh, oh, right. Remembering he's got a vase full of Coke that he's been, you know, snorting off of this whole fucking time. And then he just drops it on the marble floor, destroying all of the evidence that they would have used against these guys. Uh-huh. Fantastic work. And they all scatter. Yeah, because they're afraid that the cops will believe that this five kilos of cocaine that's just laying on the floor full somehow of, belong full to them. of broken vase. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, is their I problem. Mean, and that's the thing because they're exactly right to scatter. You just go into the next room because this guy's a fucking weirdo. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I mean, huh? This vase, you're telling me it wouldn't have any sort of. I mean, if you did the whole CSI thing on the vase. You'd figure out that it, it came, came from, from these Chinese, two fucking douches. It came from this Chinese restaurant that was demolished and there was a bunch of dead bodies found in it. Yeah. And somehow at that Chinese restaurant, there was this bald guy with a goatee and a earring who showed up at the fucking Eiffel Tower doing blow from this vase from the Chinese restaurant. And he just happened to be bald with a goatee and an earring. And now he's over in this other area shooting up a local gang. It's like... Dude, where are the helicopters? Where are the emergency vehicles? They, they make a joke somewhere in the film <laughs> about how many people they have killed. Yeah. That it's about or about or a little more than one an hour that they've been killing since he landed in Paris. Yeah. Yeah, they literally is, make that joke. Oh, is, yeah, it's been about one an hour. That's pretty good, he right? He is on a rampage. Yeah. He uh-huh. is causing destruction all over the city of Paris. <laughs> Now, here's where it gets really interesting, because now we've got the swerve, the big reveal, because, I mean, we've skipped over some major, major plot points that are very significant to the story. Yeah, uh, Jonathan Reese Myers runs into his girlfriend in a shady apartment building with a prostitute and John Travolta. Yeah, no, no understanding of why she's there, except maybe she's, she's buying, buying fabrics. Buying because fabric. she makes her own clothes. So why is she in uh, local Crackville, Paris, yes. buying clothes where there's no clothing store? No. What's she doing in an apartment building where probably, they are with the elevator? She probably just bought some materials and then also some crack. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, it occurs to me that, that if, you, if you go with that line of questioning, then you start to figure out, well, maybe she was there to meet the other bad guy because... You know, big plot point later, 
when when all of this is she's like contacting Jonathan, who is that guy? Who is that prostitute? At the end of it, she's like, well, okay, invite your friend over. We're yeah. supposed to have dinner. Oh, good God. This is the best. Yeah. This is my favorite scene in the entire film. Dude, this is this is the perfect example of why, why this, this doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. So they show up. I, I want to go through this, Brad. I'm very okay, sorry. Please. Go ahead, please. <clears throat> so Jonathan Reesmeyer shows up to his home that he may or may not share with this girl who knocks yeah. on the door to come home. Right. And he walks in and... She has a friend there. They are making dinner. They're laughing, drinking. Well, and now Travolta, Travolta gets introduced. Gets a, yeah, he get and then he gets a telephone call, and he says, "Okay, call all of them." Well, now hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. He comes in, and in the apartment is Jonathan Myers. Myers. Yeah. I'm just going to call him Myers. Yeah. Myers' girlfriend is there, and. Another friend of the girlfriend, this other woman, we don't know exactly who she is, but, you know, they're friends, they're colleagues, they're just tra-la-la joking around, and now it's two girls and two guys, so it's a nice dinner match. And John Travolta's even flirting with this woman who's really cute, oh. and I can't remember what movie she's in. It's driving me crazy. He flirts with her in the most disgusting in way In the possible. most disgusting, awkward way you're just like, ugh. He sounds like he has never spoken to another human being, no less a woman. <laughs> it's incredible. But he speaks to her as if his entire life when he's spoken to people, he expects that they're going to think he's brilliant. Yes. And she clearly doesn't. It's some real Joe Rogan energy. <laughs> yeah. And the thing about it, dude, is that towards the end of the scene, before they sit down at the dinner table, they have shots of her looking at him like, you know, Ooh. I think I'm interested in this bald, goateed, earring, wearing, <laughs> leather jacketed, scarfed, goofy looking 50 year old fuck who needs to lose some weight. Come on. And is acting in a way that is very and is inappropriate like for a, a grown man. He's acting like a giddy teenager in front of an attractive woman who doesn't know how to hold his dick. That's that's what he looks like, dude. Is he Oh, you're going to like this. And no. He's just awkward and embarrassing. So anyway, they sit down at the dinner table. Please continue. Chris. But he gets a <laughs> phone call and we don't hear the oh, other right. end of the yes. phone call and right. he says, "Okay, call all of them." Mhm. So it cuts to a few hours later. Travolta's got his jacket off. They're laughing, having fun, drinking wine. Yeah. Great party scene. It's a lovely, cozy night. Phone rings. He answers it at the table, which is very fucking rude. Well, no. The, or, the, no, the girlfriend. Oh, the girl, yeah, I'm sorry. The, the friend of his girlfriend yes. gets a phone call and says, no, there's no one by the name of Rose here. That's when Travolta says... That's the call that we were waiting for. And shoots her directly in the fucking face. Right. I mean, and... With no warning except for a quippy line about, oh, that's what we were waiting for. Yeah. Bam! Yeah. Now, one of the reasons this is so interesting to me <laughs> is because in every other scene when we've got Travolta, like, doing something or killing people, there's, like, a stare scene where we never see him actually do something. Or there's like the close, quick cut editing. Yeah, the stuff. mannequin scene where the geography's all fucked up. Where the geog yeah, 
where you're like, okay, there's no fucking way. He would have. You... He slid that gun across the table to a place where he would have been standing right in front of that Asian gangster, just standing and waiting for him to slide that gun. Literally, like five feet in front of him. Literally, and the the Asian gangster literally, if you're looking at the actual geography. Not only has a clear view of both of the guys, he's got a clear view of the one guy sliding the gun over to the other guy, which means he could have shot either of them at any time, and he's just standing there with his hands down by his waist while Travolta gets this gun, points it at him, and shoots him point-blank range. Get the fuck out of here. It's amazing. But, well, I'm, I'm also talking about the close combat fight choreography no, that Travolta clearly cannot do a full sequence all the way through in one take. So they've got to do the multiple edit sort of thing. And then, of course, the more significant action sequences. I will compliment Travolta for sitting back and allowing a stunt crew to actually do their jobs and cover him and do the hard stunt work. So hats off to the stuntmen in this movie, not just for Travolta, but for everybody. Because some of the action sequences... are like, genuinely slide interesting. In the, slide on the ground into like a stripper pole. The fire he, pole. Such bullshit! No way! And he slides down so upside dumb. down while twirling and firing an automatic weapon. <laughs> yeah. If you want me to believe that fat fuck Travolta actually latched onto that fire pole by one leg and did a calf slide down the pole, uh-huh. controlled, and did any sort of... No. I guarantee you they spent probably about 30 minutes putting him, harnessing him up to a cable, having him rigged for five or ten minutes at best while he's upside down so they can get the shot of him holding the gun. And by the time the five minutes was up, he was like, okay, guys, okay, guys, get me down now. Okay, it's starting to go to my head. I'm starting to, oh, geez, I can't think. And they're swooping in with the stunt teams and the aides and all of that to pull him down, get him off, because there is no fucking way. I mean, Travolta is not fucking Tom Cruise, right? No, and it exemplifies it because right after uh, they find out that Jonathan Reesmeyer's fiance mm-hmm. is the double agent, <gasps> she fucking cat leaps out an open window dude i know and, and then there is a rooftop foot chase with which John was absurd Travolta. yeah now i was actually see this is why i say if you had he's not tom cruise he does not run like tom cruise man if you had different casting right you didn't have him but you had excuse me fairly let's just say some b-level actor scott atkins Perfect. Right. Good You B get someone like him. Guy. Yeah, and you say, you know what? We're going to give you a bump up here because it's an international movie. We don't know how much it's going to make. You are an international star already, so it's okay for you to be in here. We need you to just be a little bit crazy, flip around in character, right? But you've got this action stuff. Now, basically, your stunt crew can relax because they know they don't have to double for a fat fuck. You know, they can double and they can work with Scott Atkins on the choreography because he's actually trained. You know, you can actually get these shots and and things become a lot more plausible. The biggest problem, well, one of the biggest problems with this movie is Travolta. He's just, you, you cannot believe him. So much so that if you see the cover art for this film, you immediately laugh and go, nope. Exactly. 
That's exact. I remember when this came out. I remember when this was in the theaters. I remembered fucking Swordfish, and I was like, there is no fucking way this is going to be a good movie. I don't care who's attached. This Look at that. Look just, at that. Just look at him. Yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> so, yeah, so, okay. The, so that's the big reveal, though. Jonathan, or, um, the, the Travolta shoots the girl yeah. in the head. And reveals, oh, Myers, this whole time you've been set up. You've been living with this girl for six years. Yes, because after this foot chase scene and she gets away. The whole apartment's rigged with microphones and Uh cameras and shit. They come back and Travolta's kind of, not not grilling him, but Jonathan Reese Myers is beating himself up. And Travolta's telling him, don't worry about it, man. You were in love. You couldn't have known. Yeah, yeah. This this six cynical years. six years. He straight up says, "Oh, she didn't really talk about her life much, and I didn't think to yeah. ask." I don't know anything about her. You don't know about her parents. She never talked about them. I didn't think to ask. Six, six years. years. You don't know what college she went to. She. You never met any of her friends. You don't know where she works. Get the fuck out of here. You don't know her parents. She never once. Mentioned siblings or going to someplace on a vacation. All of that shit. Six years. He is a blank slate on who she is at all. You know, it would have been far more plausible if he was like, well, look, she told me she went to this college. And then fucking Travolta, having done, read all of the files and everything, would have been like, no, that's all cover story. This is who she is. Here's the breakdown. Boom, 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 boom. This is why I knew to shoot her friend. This is why I know you've been set up this whole time. Sorry I didn't say anything sooner, but I had to know how deep she was in, how deep she had you, right? Are you a turncoat or not? Seeing you actually... uh uh, not stop me after I killed that girl and went after your girlfriend. You could have shot me right then. You didn't. So since you didn't do that, I'm going to trust you a little bit further. Here's who the fuck this woman is. And you lay out the files. And now we're in, in back in plausibility land. You I, know what I mean? Or I can fix this with one simple uh, adjustment. It's not her, his fiance. I, yeah, I've been fucking her a little bit for six years. Uh, yeah, I didn't know much about her. It, you know it, what? She comes and goes. She'll give me a call. She'll be in town. Yeah, I've hung out with her for maybe a couple a week at the most at one time. But I mean, but it, she it, it comes can, and goes. It can still be six years. We're so busy that yeah. every once in a while we get together because we met at whatever convention. Yeah, I don't know this girl. Yeah, I don't know anything about her. But all she, I know is that she comes and goes sometimes, and it's yeah. a mutual thing. Like. Exactly. Boom. All I, just I know is she your, travels. I just fixed your fucking movie. It exactly. was that easy. Exactly. And you didn't have to get into all the shit I made up. That is is a lot easier. Easy she fix. travels. I know her name. I, occasionally I see her name on my phone. This is the phone number that she gave me. That's all I know about yeah. her. You know? Yeah, that I, and she sucks a mean dick. I, I work. Yeah, <laughs> you I, know, I, that's it. That's the only reason I keep coming back to her. She's a great fucking lay. You know, yeah, whatever. I work for the ambassador, and she travels internationally. Yeah, she comes by sometimes. We both lead insane lives, like, and in those circles, there, just, again, totally plausible. Yeah, totally plausible. But instead, yeah, it's goddamn ridiculous because he doesn't know anything. Yeah. But that's, that's he, but he part. does is able to figure out that um, 
Since there was a garment of clothing that she left behind, she's not in the terrorist's car. I don't understand how he figured that out in the least bit, Brad. Okay. I'm I'm trying to make sense of it myself, but here's what I got for you. That particular rap, he saw... Okay, he while they're in the apartment... Well, you and mean he's, while he's just wandering around an active crime scene while being a participant in all of this? Well, yeah. I mean, there are so many procedural loophole things that just as an audience member, you've seen so much other TV or when the, movies. When the G-man who gets assigned to John Travolta shows up and he just treats him like shit for the rest of the movie. Yeah, Travolta's like... He oh, just gets a pet. He gets a pet G-man. That is, no, that's literally what it is is he's got a pet G-man who does all the driving, who will point his gun where Travolta tells him to, who will shoot whoever the fuck Travolta tells him to. That's literally what this guy is, is he's the dog to follow Travolta around and and bark on command. And he does, Uh which is really interesting on one hand. But on the other hand, here's Jonathan Reese fucking Myers. And um, ultimately, he's... At this active crime scene, instead of being isolated and under severe interrogation, and he's looking around at stuff she left behind, sees sort of this this drawing of this particular type of a hooded shawl and realizes she is going to this event that the ambassador is going to be at. And Travolta was like, oh, yeah, she's going to the event. Let's go this way. And they're going after the caravan where some other they, political figure is. Yeah, they think they're going after one thing. but And Myers really go- figures out that his girlfriend is going to be where his actual boss is. Yeah, she's going to be in the event instead of on the way to the event. Exactly. That's what it is. See, we solved it. It wasn't that hard. Yeah, but how he knew to make that because connection, I will never had... understand. Yeah, well... What I don't get is he's just looking at a drawing of the shawl, right? So when I first saw that, I'm like, oh, that looks like the scarf that fucking Travolta has been wearing this whole fucking movie. Why is he looking at a drawing of Travolta's scarf? What is that about? And then about two scenes later, we see, oh, here are multiple women wearing this strange orange shawl. And so now, even though Myers has figured out that she's there, he has no idea who she is. And he literally just starts pulling shawls off people's faces, running around and points a gun at some woman who he, I have no idea how he figures out it's her. He yells her name and she freezes. Yeah. Yeah. But he yells her name with his gun pointed at her back. And that's when she freezes. Okay. We we skipped something that I really, really, really want to talk about. Please help me. (laughs) Help me understand this shit. Which is the car chase. Oh yeah, because it's <laughs> because that's intercut with Jonathan Reese Myers in his apartment. Yeah, so they're on a car chase because they're chasing the lead terrorist to the summit. Yeah, because this the terrorist lead has terrorist a car bomb. Lead terrorist has a car bomb. The lead terrorist is the guy who convinced uh, the girlfriend that she's going to be the suicide bomber and has been working on her for all of these six years to convince her that this is the event where she's going to be the suicide bomber. So Travolta goes after this terrorist leader guy. With his G-Man driver. Yeah. Who has a super cool feature in the backseat of his car. Dude, such (laughs) bullshit. Come on. And here's the other crazy thing about it. Okay, 
Travolta, it's the best. they're driving at like you know top speed, trying to catch up with this in assassin caravan. They are in an Audi. Oh, thank you for chasing, pointing out chasing a Volvo station wagon and having trouble. Well, you know, having a um, whole lot of trouble. Luke Basson, I swear, has some sort of uh, um, sponsorship deal with Audi because if you watch like the Transporter, all they are, are Audi cars. I mean. Every fucking Busan movie that isn't out in space, they're driving fucking Audis, right? So, okay, whatever. But, yeah, they're tooling around in this thing, and uh, fucking Travolta looks to his lapdog and is like, don't you have any, any heavy firepower in here or something like that? Don't you have anything heavier in here? Oh, don't you have any heavy metal? Yes. Right? Like referring to the music, which is a whole comedic scene. <laughs> Anyway, the guy says yes, flips the switch, the back seat flips up. Like a fucking James Bond car. <laughs> and I swear to God, the the first weapon that I saw was actually like the uh, the M16 assault rifle. Yeah. Right? It's a machine gun. Yeah. That's what you see. But what does Travolta grab? A fucking Law's rocket launcher. Where says, the fuck did that ooh, come from? Come to daddy before grabbing it's the he, grossest thing in the world. Which, after seeing him flirt horrifically with this woman that he subsequently shot in the head, seeing him have any sort of sexual attraction to anything flirtatious or whatever is just horrible, awkward, it's terrible. off-putting. Off yes, exactly. I mean, so then he gets this, he gets a rocket launcher, somehow maneuvers it from a very narrow back seat up into the front seat, and then sits on the fucking window. Hanging out of the vehicle. Hanging. With a rocket launcher. On not, his shoulder. Not a gun that he can hold on to the inside and fire with the other hand. Yes. Both thank hands. Thank you. It's a double arm. So that means he has to have some sort of rig harness, something to keep him secure while his ass is sitting in that window seat. Because this car is still doing 60, 70, weaving in between other cars, going uphill, downhill, around all of these places. While Travolta is on the cell phone having a conversation yes. with Myers. While holding a rocket launcher. Yeah, while holding a rocket launcher, he's sitting there going, what, what are he you talking about? He takes a telephone call. Yeah. Yeah, it literally says, it's a bad time to be calling me. Why the fuck did you answer the phone? Honestly, what the fuck? in that situation, you are in a high-speed chase <laughs> with a terrorist, and you are holding a rocket launcher in traffic. Heavy how traffic. The, how the fuck? Heavy fucking traffic, dude. Brad, I've been just standing in line at McDonald's and not felt my phone ring. <laughs> how did he know that that was ringing? There is no goddamn way, you know, that through all that, he felt a little vibration on his leg and went on oh, nuts. Well, dude, with which hand did he answer the goddamn phone? How could he? <laughs> right. And how is he holding on with both hands occupied? I mean, it's not like he's on a horse and he can hold he on with his legs. tumbling out of that car Completely. like an asshole. Repeatedly. Multiple times, right? It's the best. Oh my god, it's so fucking absurd. So unbelievable. Jonathan Reese so. Myers calls him and says, She's not in the car. That is not her in the car. Mm -hmm. And uh Travolta argues with him for quite some time. He's like, I'm looking at her right now. Because from his angle, we can see what looks like women's legs in the passenger seat. 
Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, somebody's in the passenger seat. Who is that? Right? So so then he tells his G-Man, well, hey, speed up. I gotta see the inside. Yeah. Yeah. They could have done that the whole time. <laughs> That's what he requested he do the whole time. Well, yeah. And I mean, again, so, okay, so the reason that they're chasing after this guy is because he's actually going like, after this caravan of other massive security uh, that's also going to the same location where yeah, the ambassador peace, is going to yeah, be. Yeah, it's the, another delegate to a peace summit. Yes, okay, so thank you. So we see this caravan. Now, once again, simple physics, okay? I, ha I hate to invoke science or reasonable sense, but first of all, if you're on the outside of a vehicle, when, you're, when the vehicle hits about 50 miles an hour, the wind is going so fast you can't breathe, okay? I mean, that's that's just so this car weaving in and out 50, 60 miles an hour, okay? You can't fucking breathe. Now, that being said, this caravan is coming, and there is the delegate who's like, no, we're not stopping. We're going to yeah. keep going. The, the, her head of security gets a call and says, uh, Madam Secretary, we've Gets gotten... a call from Travolta. We've gotten word that there is a security breach. Should we divert you to another location? And she says, no. no. Right. Like, it, like it's not her decision at all. That's not how security works. <laughs> yeah. And the you other got thing, the basic elements of what security detail is. Well, and they establish that there's motorcycles at the front and the back. And this is a caravan of at least three vehicles. Now, in that type of a security situation... The delegate is not going to be in the first car. No. The delegate is likely, I mean, if you want to kind of keep them guessing, the delegate commonly is going to be in the middle vehicle, but to kind of keep them guessing, maybe there will be a, a dummy, like a, a look-alike in the middle vehicle, and the actual delegate will be in the last vehicle because you want to keep them guessing a little bit. But the point is, is that you're not going to put them in the front vehicle, and you're not going to put them in the front vehicle because... That's the head of the caravan, right? That's the that's, they die first. That's your bullet catcher. In in the event of a uh, crisis, they die first. Everyone so, knows that's the deal. But not this movie because she's no. in the first car in the caravan, and we know this because the terrorist vehicle is getting closer and closer and closer. He, he has swerved into oncoming traffic now. Yes, mm -hmm. and so uh, lapdog G man decides. Fuck being on the highway, whips a hard turn up the embankment to over the, the over, grass overpass. Yep. Mm -hmm. Where John Travolta looks through one side of the bridge and sees the Volvo drive under it, runs to the other. Yeah. Where this Volvo is speeding head on toward this caravan. Because the car has a bomb in it and his intention is to blow up the delegate in the caravan and the delegate for whatever fucking reason is in the first car yes now <clears throat> his decision to as it is speeding further away from him and closer on the horizontal plane yeah yeah, toward, yeah. Toward the delegate, <laughs> right is to hope that he gets a lucky shot with a rocket launcher yeah and shoot it toward that vehicle now yeah. Brad, if he is off a few degrees, what happens? If he uh, <laughs> points it a little too far up? Well, uh, 
the natural consequence would be that it would uh, fly over the intended target and actually hit the first vehicle with the delegate in it and destroy them. Indeed. <laughs> so you may Which say I would that, have liked to have seen, so, actually. So that you may say that his decision to fire this rocket in the direction of an international delegate was mm-hmm. a poor decision. Well... Especially since we now know that he's got a hotline straight to the head of security in the caravan and he can say, look, no fucking joke, back her off, get her off the highway. He is speeding towards you headlong. Yeah. You can see him by now. I have eyes on this guy and let me tell you, the threat is real, it's imminent, you gotta get her off the highway. Even if you guys want to keep heading towards him, get her vehicle off the the highway. highway. That side of the highway is cleared so that the delegate can make it through safely without any traffic. Well, it's supposed to be, yeah. They have a very long line of sight. They can see somebody coming in the opposite direction direction for a very long ways they would have been able to see a bonehead with the rocket launcher on the bridge as he was aiming down at the other vehicle so, i mean that would have been a nice yeah. <laughs> clue as well as to the potential threat they were facing now luckily this rocket hits the terrorist vehicle as which, intended as intended which, might I remind you, is still speeding headlong toward this delegation. And has its own bomb on it. Yes. So it's not just the rocket exploding. It's the entire bomb just shredding this fucking car as it flips multiple times. Maybe 500 feet in front of this Yeah, procession. it got really fucking close when, it act, when all is said and done, right? Yes. And what does the procession do? Does anybody stop? Is there any security anywhere looking for like maybe do more they, vehicles? Do they flip on lights to, you know, identify themselves as they are, security? And, the, and the, this is an emergency, and that something <laughs> needs to happen. Nope, they putter along, and in a later scene, we learn that that delegate pretty much had no idea what happened in front of her. Yeah, and she was actually pissed about it. Yes, someone saved my life. How dare they? Tell. Uh, tell me what is taking so long with all of this. Yeah. Well, ma'am. Remember that car that was flipped over and on fire that we sped past? Do you remember if, that if you, vehicle? If that... you can't remember the significant action that happened, let's see, 30 minutes ago, <laughs> this life-changing event that would have, you know, scarred somebody deeply. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That happened half an hour ago, ma'am. Uh-huh. If you cannot remember that, perhaps you don't need to be within the halls of power. Because <laughs> you're a fucking parakeet. Yeah, well... Completely. I mean, at that point, the only thing she's doing is reading whatever's in the briefcase that she brought with her. I mean, presumably so, because she truly is completely ignorant of everything that happened. And at the end, she even says, whoever's responsible for this, I want them fired. Uh And you're like, lady, what are you? Are you? Do you recognize (laughs) multiple terrorists were assassinated in close proximity to you on several occasions? Not yeah. just in the procession, but as there we get to the climax and all of that. There's also been a rampage throughout the entire city yeah. for the last 17 hours. You see that bald fuck who just smiled at you and told you to go home? That's the fucking psychotic killer that we've been chasing this whole time. And he's been shooting up terrorists left and right. Shooting up people he's calling terrorists. We don't really know what's happened. We just know we have a massive body count and multiple dozens of people. Hopefully they were all criminals in some way so we can say that it was justified but literally hundreds of people saw this man hanging out the window of a vehicle with a rocket with a rocket launcher pointing it 
at this other vehicle. I mean, literally for miles, swerving between lanes. And as you pointed out, I forgot, actually goes down on the grass embankment up on the other side. How the fuck is Travolta holding on during all of this? I mean, it's just... It's just beautiful. So, okay. So, so Jonathan Reese Myers calls him and says, she's not going to this. She's go- she's going to be in the summit. I'm right. closer. I'll go there first. Or I'll be there. You meet me there. Right. So Now, okay. Let me point a, out. Let me, throw, okay, go let me just point out. There's one section here where um, we kind of glossed over, but it becomes important as part of the climax of the movie. And Agent Myers... Whoever the fuck he is, Myers' development as his character arc. It's terribly important. And it's the moment where Travolta, after shooting that woman in the face in front of everybody, says, Look, man, you got to understand, your girl's a terrorist. You may have to take her out. You get me? You're going to have to shoot her. You get me? You got that? And Myers is like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, You're so but cool. I love her. And Travolta's like, love? Fuck love! You gotta take her out, dude! Right? All of this bullshit posturing that he does. And so so this is the whole thing, is now Travolta's like, okay, I'm on my way, but remember, if you gotta take the shot, you gotta take the shot. And Myers is like, yeah, I remember, man, I remember. So he goes to try and find her, and starts pulling hoods off people. No, okay. Now, he shows up just at the front door. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. In yeah, a, this is a great bit. Yeah. In a tank top. <laughs> in a, t- in yeah. a dirty tank top. Now, he's had his ass handed to him a yes, couple of times, he so he's bruised. He's bloody. He's got cocaine dust on him. Right? Yeah. He's, he's all been messed doing up. doing blow with John Travolta. Yeah. And he's coming in saying, uh, I'm the special assistant to the ambassador. Let me through. Yeah. Where, again, wearing a sport coat just slapped over a tank top, <laughs> looking like a fucking junkie. Uh-huh. Yeah. Looking about as close to a junkie as... as he looks... Because he, he looks like he's... Because he gives the guy a badge. They mm-hmm. scan it and say, well, you're already here. You're already here. He's like, that's absurd. This is me right here. And instead of doing something like, well, let me speak to your supervisor or can you just, you know, get, why don't you get this person? I know who they are because I actually work here. This is the person you need to talk to. Give them a call. They're in this department. Call them right now. He could have done that. But then they start going, no, man. And they start mixing it up in this whole sort of rough and tumble thing. I am who I say I am. Until the ambassador sees him and is like, get your hands off him. He's my personal aide. Why do you look like shit? Yeah. Yeah. He looks like he's been on a bender. And obviously there has been terrorist activity throughout the city that nobody seems to be aware of. Yeah, the ambassador. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, this is this is a core point that we need to keep making here. There literally has been a crime spree. Multiple locations of multiple murders, okay, drugs, different explosions, even. A terrorist just got exploded on the highway in front just of an international explo- dignitary. Yeah, uh-huh. A terrorist who was known to be targeting that procession specifically to try to assassinate that delegate. Yes. And the ambassador is like, well, what are you doing here? 
well, what what's going on? I don't I don't understand. I'm just here to do my ambassador thing, yeah. right? Has never heard of any of the violence or any of the shit that's happening. Nobody has. So the Myers city is would like, have been locked down, and that entire event would have been canceled if any of these completely, events completely completely. So Myers, mind you, looking like a junkie just coming off a bender, is like, boss, you gotta believe me. My girlfriend's a terrorist. I just found out. And all of this stuff of me looking really bad and beat up is because I've actually been trying to... I've been, I've been fighting terrorists at This night. whole time, <laughs> while you never knew what I was actually doing. I was doing. leading this secret nightlife <clears throat> as a fucking yeah. crime fighter. Now, mind you, assistant to an ambassador, you don't get into that government position without being incredibly vetted all over the place. So this ambassador would have known everything about this guy and likely would have known about any sort of moonlighting and just not told him because he's the fucking ambassador. He has to know what the fuck is happening with his people. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that's once again, just fundamentally, maybe we could say he didn't really know, but here's his, his assistant looking like a junkie coming off a bender, all beat to shit, coke, cocaine on him him. (laughs) presently (laughs) and he's literally saying you gotta trust me boss you just gotta trust me it'd be like okay lock this guy down (laughs) first of all son you need to go home and get some rest (laughs) yeah i'll tell you what deal with this situation in the morning yeah uh you need to leave right now (laughs) because simply your appearance is unbefitting for this event (laughs) exactly so you know what Let's get up. But instead, he he says, "Uh, let him go, boys. And the security has to say, ah, but we keep his gun. And they just let him loose. (laughs) You know what? I give them credit for at least thinking that far ahead. Saying, well, okay, if you want this crazy man, if you want us to let go of this crazy man, we're not giving him a weapon. All right? Yeah, you we're can not deal giving, with him. No, but... we're not giving him back his weapon that he brought from home to this event. <laughs> <laughs> he was not provided right? this weapon. Holy shit. I mean, they could have just said to the ambassador, sir, this man he came in. He has a gun. This and man look came at in him. with a fucking hand cannon. <laughs> the ambassador would have been like, um, you need to stay. <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll get your assistant to be my assistant for the day. Why don't we have this officer escort you home and stay with you for a little while, you crazy fuck. And then he says to the officer, don't let him out of your sight. I don't know what's going on Take with that guy. Take him to jail immediately. <laughs> yes, he is my assistant, so don't be too brutal with him, but don't let him out of your sight, okay? You know, it would have been... It- I find that far anyway. So anyway, so he um, is running through the halls of this international caucus. We've already had to swallow Travolta and his overall appearance. And then we have to swallow him hanging outside of a car with a fucking rocket launcher. So at this point, you know, all gloves are off. All right, whatever. Fuck it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So we're building to the climax. He somehow figures out amongst all of these large hoods of people walking around in these large hoods this one is his girlfriend he points a gun at her he, and says stop he, he kicks one of the security guards and takes his gun out oh, of he, out of the security guards holster fucking brilliant <laughs> i missed that part somehow yeah that's that's how he got that gun to okay. point at carolina okay so yeah so like security guards are anyway so so he points at the gun carolina 
Yeah, it says, Caroline, stop! And says, Caroline, and everybody but her ducks, and she's the only one standing, and she yeah. stopped moving. Now, I will say one thing about an actor's performance, and I compliment her with this, okay? Her back is turned. She's got, he's got the gun on her. She's in this big hooded thing. You can only see her right hand uh, open and exposed, right? But there's this moment where in this wide shot, you're looking at her and you can see the hand is trembling. And you, you recognize, oh, okay, this is an actual, you know, this is a person who is likely very afraid but very much trying to control their fear. And trying to keep it together. And trying to keep it together. Such high praise for just that one conscientious piece of acting. You know? Travolta would not have thought of that. I doubt that. No, he'd have done jazz hands, because he'd have been excited about the best. Yeah, he would have done he would have played with the whole, ooh, this is really fun. What are you going to do, Myers? Oh, what are you going to do, Myers? You yeah. know, he would have pulled the, all that shit. And it, it just would not have fucking worked. But compliments to this actress. And I'm sorry, I didn't see your name in the credits. Forget who you are. But excellent work in that scene. I believed that here is this person who is committed to their ideology, but confronted by a lover that they've spent this time with. And confronting and, death because she has a fucking bomb vest on. And confronting death, exactly. And even with all of those things, she is still making the decision to continue with with her um, terrorist act. Right. Yes. While all of the security has guns on him. On him, not her. Screaming, sir, drop the gun now. Yeah. They would have shot him right in his fucking face. Yeah, it would have been, sir, drop the gun. Sir, sir, last one. Bam. Bang. That's it. But they instead he gives a long speech about how much he still loves her. He keeps going, Caroline, Caroline. See, the the security keeps the guns on him, even though they would have dropped him. We've established that, but they... Keep the guns on him, even though he's got his gun focused on her. No one is trying to get near her or saying, stop pointing at her. Lower your weapon or we'll fire, which is more likely what they would have said. That kind of thing. But they only look to her when she opens up the hooded... After uh, she spins around and opens up... And reveals that she's wearing the bomb vest. Right, exactly. So... So at that point, they all go, oh, Oh, shit. shit. (laughs) And then they kind of back off, and now it's just Myers and her. They're not even pointing their weapons at her. Travolta says something like, oh, no, Myers says, don't shoot. If you kill her, the bomb will go off. Yes. If you kill her, the bomb will go off. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Chris, what happens from there? Uh, he gives her a long, impassioned speech about being in love with her still, yep. even though he has no idea who she is and has found yeah, out that knows she... knows nothing about her. That she used him and probably intended to kill him. She Would decides, have had to. She decides to slap the uh, emergency... Yeah, the bomb, the yeah, switch. The emergency switch on her chest in a very slow-motion shot mm-hmm. while she is reaching up to do so. He draws his gun, shoots her directly in the fucking forehead. Yep. And John Travolta swoops in from behind magically to catch her before she falls and the bomb can hit the floor jarringly. 
thereby saving the day. Well, and this is the thing that confuses me because, okay. It's very stupid. (laughs) Well, are they saying that, excuse me, that when you kill them, the bomb will go off, but the bomb will only know that you're dead if you actually land on the ground horizontal. Yeah. Is that how the bomb goes off? I'm guessing you have to hit that trigger switch in the center. <clears throat> or, Well, presumably so, but she gets uh, tagged in the head. She doesn't hit the button. Travolta catches her and somehow just eases her to the ground and then, you know, unplugs the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> Uses the microphone jack to unplug the whole uh-huh. thing and, uh, and defuse the bomb. But so why didn't the bomb go off when she was dead? Right? Couldn't tell you. So, anyway, and then... Why was it not on any sort of, also, like, a timer switch or anything? Yeah, any sort of. Anything except for, hey, you have to manually press it right in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, this big red button yeah. that says... <laughs> yeah, self-destruct, on. yes. So you have to hit this button. Yeah. And the funny thing it's is, like is in the it's Power Rangers. Hood. It's like in the Power Rangers, how you had to kick the putties right in the uh, yeah. symbol. Yeah, you got to hit that. This is, is yeah. So don't and, shove her to the ground from behind, because you're well, all dead. Don't wrap up the hood and tie the knot too tight, or you might actually hit the button and set the bomb off, or, uh-huh. you know? All of that stuff. Don't get jostled on the subway. It's, it's a super anticlimactic ending. It, well, well, no. No, because Travolta told him, if you got to shoot her, you got to do it. And aim high. And Yes, aim high. Right. So he does. And Travolta, after catching the body and, you know, unplugging the microphone, looks up at him with such respect in his eyes. Such oh, yeah. awe. And He's so impressed that Myers actually shot his traitorous, betraying girlfriend in the fucking face. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's a happy ending. We forgot to we we also forgot to mention in regards to his appearance through all this. He had previously just been shot in the arm. Oh, so he is oh also God, just leaking. Right. He is also just he leaking goes blood a full everywhere. Fucking twenty minutes. He gets shot in the arm, and he's running around all over the place. Even when he's trying to convince his boss. Looking like a strung out junkie, we completely forget. He's covered in coke. He's beat to shit. He's got bruises on his face, sweat, wearing a t shirt with a suit over it that has a fucking bullet hole in the arm, and he's been leaking because he's been shot this whole time. Uh-huh. Nobody notices that this guy with a fucking hand cannon showing up at the at the whole convention thing, who's been shot. I mean, maybe we should pull this guy aside and find out what's been going on. Maybe we should talk to him a little yeah, bit. Just let him, run, just, let him run wild through running. the halls of power. I completely fucking forgot he it's got the... shot in the arm and spends the last 20 minutes running around with a leaking, un- undressed bullet wound. Yeah, it's the part that we skipped where they <laughs> dropped the suicide vest magically <laughs> off the, out of the window. Because Travolta has to <laughs> manually time how long he thinks it will take to run down some stairs and across a lobby. Well, see, now this is the thing. Because he's such a cool, smart guy. This, well, again, this is why I say if the casting had been different, I might have been able to buy a lot more of these absurdities, absurdities right? I might have been able to forgive a lot of these absurdities, you know, because it's like... Um, what was that movie about the brothers, the two brother assassins? Um, 
Boondock Saints. Yeah, that fucking God, movie. movie's god-awful. Well, yeah, and there's a bunch of bullshit in there, but there are things that I'm willing to accept because the movie creates an environment that makes me say, okay, we're getting into fantasy here. I can kind of, whatever, yeah. I can kind of buy what's happening. In a similar way, I could have accepted this movie. However, Travolta's performance is just so fucking god-awful that it keeps taking me out of any scene that I might have otherwise been like, okay, I'll give you that. You and know what I mean? it's not just his performance, though. It's, it's his, his appearance. His it's appearance everything. is jarring. <laughs> yeah. I do not believe that this guy is the world-weary special forces, you know, tactical assassin. I don't believe any of this stuff. I don't believe no, the fight I choreography. Believe that, I believe he's the guy who fucking hits on fucking teenage girls in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the kind of guy who's like, you want to take a ride in my car? You know? Hey, look at look at this shiny little bauble that I have. Doesn't that interest you? That's the kind of smarmy fuck this guy looks like, uh -huh. you know? And, uh, and I mean, just... This entire film, and that's why I wanted to watch this with you, because it raises the bigger question of, like, why does this exist? Yeah. Who is this for? Nobody can possibly like this. Well, see, now there I disagree with you. And the reason why I disagree is, once again, the international audience angle. And the reason that I say that is because one of the advantages of action movies, horror movies, and even cartoons, especially G-rated cartoons, the reason that these uh, particular genres do so well is because you don't have to know what the people are saying. You don't have to, like, even listen to it, really. You can just have this on in the background, and you can get your explosions and your violence and that sort of stuff. And if you're a fan of Travolta, like a genuine fan of Travolta, I am a casual, at best, fan of Travolta. There are things he's done that I like that I think, you know, solid performance. But a majority of it is absolute garbage. Well, there's quite a bit of it that Let you can tell. Let me remind you of Michael. Well, I was just going to say, there's quite a bit of it that you can tell were very much uh, Hollywood machine-designed products. And this is an example of that. So, um, But what so, I'm saying, alluding to, is that how, why does this exist because no one could possibly like this? It's not over the top enough to go, holy shit, that was an action movie. The action isn't shot good enough for it to be impressive. Mm -hmm. this, there's no story to speak of. There's well, absolutely nothing to latch onto <clears throat> that makes this movie even kind of enjoyable, except for sitting and making fun of it because it's genuinely trying and mm -hmm. genuinely failing. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, I will give you that for you and I and people like you and I who are um, familiar with uh, more than just movies as entertainment. I mean, we watch movies, we analyze them, we talk about them, we react to them, all of that sort of stuff. Now, there's a whole population on the planet that really, that movie is literally its own encapsulated thing, you know? And so... It doesn't matter whether it's good or bad. It's a movie that's got John Travolta and Luke Besson and shit blows up in it, right? It's got that guy from The Crown, 
who was popular for a while. Now, there's no boobs in it, unfortunately, except for the naked mannequins, which is about as close to being able to get tits into this kind of a movie and still have it be international and sell to a general audience, right? I mean, these are just bottom line practical aspects of the movie. So this movie can now play on cable in any fucking country in the world because all it is is you got an American star with a, a French filmmaker and guns and, and, and Jonathan Reese Myers. Yeah. And this sad fuck who's doesn't, you know, doesn't do anything other than lap dog around with Travolta. You know? And complimenting him on how cool he is. Yeah. And consistently, wow, you're just so cool. Oh, I couldn't be like you. All of this stuff like, is... Man, it's bad when you have to tell us the, the cool guy is cool because we thought he was a laughable buffoon at best. Well, and, you know, you have to wonder sometimes with that kind of um, dialogue if there was a point where during production they thought, you know what, we're going to add a scene here so that we can just kind of reinforce how this one character feels about the other one, okay? And, you know... Outwardly, doing, they're like, okay, so... Because them doing just, coke at the Eiffel Tower has no narrative value whatsoever. Dude, Training Day. I'm telling you, that is... They saw Training Day, and they were like, okay, well, we need to have a scene to show how dangerous Travolta is, and how naive and this kid is being brought into this uh, nefarious world of spies and learning of the espionage. dark side. Yeah, learning the dark side of espionage, which is... If you're gonna handle this stuff, you gotta know how to handle it. So fucking do the blow, man. It, so dumb. It, and it, they do it in the fucking elevator, full of tourists. It, it's it's got one of the greatest like exit scenes that I've seen in a very long time. Which one? Where uh, John Travolta is leaving by personal airplane, mm. and Jonathan Rhys Meyers goes to meet him on the tarmac. Yeah. With a, they uh, compare and laugh about their guns. Okay, dude, right. And then break out a chessboard and are playing chess. Yeah. And Open air on the asphalt of the tarmac in the airport. They're on the tarmac of the fucking airport with this private plane that's being fueled up and ready to go. They break out a chessboard that apparently is on top of this... Um, like middle vehicle yeah. maybe it's maybe it's for fuel who knows like, like a maintenance cart <laughs> and for no reason whatsoever they both pull out their pistols travolta's like oh i got my good my good old friend his his gun that i don't think we've mentioned not once his gun that he insisted that is his absolute favorite is yeah. his go to in any situation that he never once uses yeah he uses every gun that he finds along the I way. I think there's one scene close towards the end, because when you pointed that out, it was like, holy shit, he's right. So then I started watching, and there there's one scene in one of the, the shootout bits, but in most of the scenes, he's taking other people's guns, he's picking up guns from dead people, all of that. So this gun that was so precious to him that he snuck into France in these goddamn energy drink cans, which is absurd to begin with. He pulls out this gun and is like, well, if we're going to play chess, I Me. might as well put this gun to the side, right? Yeah, and then Jonathan Reese pulls out his gun. He's he like, hey, they out... gave you a gun? He goes, yeah, and it's big, too. <laughs> Dude, 
it is a fucking, it's the Israeli Desert Eagle. And at that time, when that pistol came out, it was like a 50 caliber pistol. Now, you can buy other calibers now. They've dumbed it down to like 9mm and uh, the 45 caliber, that sort of thing. So, there's, so the main point of this whole digression that I'm making here is they literally, at the end of it, have the advertisements for the firearms used. You know, because every action movie is an advertisement for firearms, let's just face it. But Travolta having his favorite pistol... And then Myers going, oh, no, here's a, the completely new top-of-the-line Desert Eagle that's available for purchase now for $1,500. No problem whatsoever. This is what the government gave me, which no government I was would just fucking going to, give. I was just going to say, I do not believe that a fifty caliber Desert Eagle is the <laughs> designated service pistol. Fuck, no, it's not, not even close, especially in Europe, for, man. For a... Uh, Unnamed uh, security force. Right. Exactly so. Now, <clears throat> of course, if you're in Israel and you're in a particular part of the military, you're going to get access to that Desert Eagle. Sure. And that Desert Eagle is available to private consumer market. Okay. Private sector. Sure. Fine. But this guy, especially as a newly appointed whatever super secret agent guy, he's not going to have... A fucking Desert Eagle. It's one of the most impractical pistols you could have, yeah. especially if you're walking around in a suit most of the day. You know what I mean? Or in a civilian area. The pistol itself has got to weigh like two or three pounds. Oh, at least. Imagine that strapped to your belt, right? You know, all fucking day. No way. And if you need to use that, if there is any sort of a crowd, you cannot use that gun because it is not meant to be uh, dead on accurate. It is meant to blow a fucking watermelon size exactly. hole into anything Even if you're doing a shoulder carry on that pistol, you draw and fire, you aim at your target, it's going to go through whoever you're shooting, into the wall, probably through that wall, probably through three other people who are on the other side of that wall, through that wall, you know, and depending on what, what's there, I mean... And you'll have don't... no idea because the recoil will have broken your nose. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably... From, especially... that, from that skinny motherfucker. Especially because they keep reinforcing how naive this dude is, how inexperienced with weapons and all of that stuff, and you give him a fucking hand cannon like that, get the fuck out of here. It, it's just... He, he's it's going like to the last everybody. bit of stupidity... That you can have. Yeah, because, I mean, dude, that's one thing about Hollywood movies that really kind of annoys me is that um, they will show all of this gunfire, but they won't show the consequences of where the bullets actually stop, right? I mean, there's bullet strikes in the walls, and you assume that that's, that gun stops there, but in reality, that bullet doesn't stop there. No. You know, I mean, unless that wall is somehow incredibly well reinforced in some way if it's just like drywall or a standard build most guns are going through that wall most bullets you know anyway and so that's one of those things <clears throat> is when you see a movie like this and yeah you i mean if we're going to talk about gun violence you go oh yeah you shot her in the head well if you kind of want to see like even a hollywood film of what actual gun violence looks like i i Fucking the Spielberg war movie. I just lost the name. Yeah, Private Ryan. Yeah, Saving, Saving Private, Private Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. That is a pretty good depiction of what getting shot with a fucking gun looks yeah. like. Yeah. That movie's violent as shit. Yeah, and you know, that's... It's, 
it's almost off-puttingly gory for that reason because it's showing the actual violence that guns perpetrate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and <clears throat> see now, I can be very forgiving of a multitude of action movies with this kind of you know laissez-faire presentation of firearms and action and all of that because they're intended to be entertainment. They're not intended to be a dose of reality and all of that sort of stuff. That's all fine and good. But when you get bald John Travolta. John Travolta with a goatee and a fucking earring walking around and you know he's wearing this heavy coat and a scarf because he's a fat fuck and he's trying to hide that he's nowhere near the condition he needs to be to play this kind of a character. And he's just mawing, just making these faces just mugging to the fucking camera over and over and it's like you know man this isn't fucking hairspray okay knock it off stop yeah so anyway yeah so the movie ends let's just yeah so the movie ends with them with their big dick measuring pistol scene done and they're setting up a chessboard on a fucking airplane tarmac. Like, you couldn't even get them inside the plane. Did you not have the ability to shoot inside the plane <laughs> yeah. for half a day so you could have them play chess inside the plane where it made sense to do that? Uh-huh. What the... So it's this casual sort of camera pulls out while they're setting up their pieces. And Travolta's like, oh, I've forgotten more about chess than you've ever learned, young man. And the young man's like, oh, I know a few tricks too. And they're just laughing at each other, and it is awful. (laughs) Into a song that we found just the lyrics to be completely... We found the lyrics to the uh, credit song to be just completely indecipherable. The lyrics were just as confusing as the screenplay. What are you talking about? What the hell is happening? Why? We don't know. Okay, thank God it's over. And we didn't even... 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. We didn't even make it to the end of the closing credits because we, we couldn't even deal with the song anymore. But at least it was a tight 90. A tight 90. Yeah. And there's something about that that just sounds kind of lurid. But... Uh, at the very least, it was over. But man, this movie's some bullshit. Well, I tell you, man, after Congo, I was like, okay, well, you know, um, I get it. That was that was crap, and it, for the money but that it's they a fun had, adventure. <clears throat> it's just weird enough yeah. to be fucking funny, right? Uh-huh. But I don't think I've seen an example, really, where one individual performance was so off-putting that i just simply could not be brought into the movie Uh i could not have any moment where i was like i mean even with the other act now myers is a good actor yeah he's fine the supporting actress who played his girlfriend uh, six souls that he's in with uh julianne moore no that sounds interesting he plays somebody who's possessed by like six different people and his uh actual physical characteristics change when he uh Wow. Okay. Transform, or not transforms, but yeah. changes into a different identity. What's it called? Six Souls. Okay. It's not great, but it's not bad. Well, Bruce Dern's in it. Okay. All right. If I like Bruce. I say if that's a, any sort of mark of quality, I don't know, but well, it is a fact. Bruce Dern, God bless him, comes from, you know, that age of acting where... Um, the authenticity of the performance was what it was all about. 
So, yeah, maybe he plays some odd characters, but you always believe him. Mm -hmm. You always believe him on camera. And, God, that's exactly what we're talking about here. You know? You just... Just don't believe Travolta. No, and you know? it's almost like they make no, made no effort to uh, make him even like sort of a person. Because yeah. every single thing about him is just out of this world. And it's so yeah. distracting yeah. that it takes away from anything that you're trying to do in the film. Yeah, which ultimately, quite frankly, now that we're saying it and acknowledging it, um, it's kind of disappointing, dude. Because this, once again, this was a real opportunity here, I think, to... You could have had, with a different actor, uh, a potential for a franchise starter. Because you could have taken Myers and brought him into uh, a second into the movie. Fold. Yeah. yeah, a second movie where even Travolta's character wouldn't have to be a lead character, but could come in for like a cameo or something like that, somewhere within the action. But now we're with and Myers come back following the third him. One and yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. That kind of thing. I mean, there, there was this kind of potential... Maybe. And with but, it being only 90 minutes, you know that there was more. Mm -hmm. You know that there was more. They just had to make it to that 90-minute mark. Because it's 90 minutes with credits. But, you know, the thing is... So is, they realized that this is dog shit and cut it down as much as they could. I question that, though. I really do. Because some of those driving sequences, some of those fight sequences, for me, I was like fuck let's just wrap this up this is taking too long why are we you know why are we here for as long as we are that well, because that's stuff. the meat baby <laughs> i guess but you know the very first time it really struck me was when i saw um desperado right not mm -hmm. el mariachi but desperado and when you're watching that movie yeah there's great action sequences god bless selma hayek gets naked in there and um, and overall, it's a really good fucking shoot 'em up movie. It's Steve Buscemi being a fucking weirdo. <laughs> yeah, but if you remember that movie, there are sequences that are just like music video sequences, where a good two three minutes are taken up with like tracking shots of here he's walking or there's a guitar playing. I think Desperado even opens up with um, him playing, right? And I thought it opened with Steve Buscemi in the bar. You're right, that one. It's the one after that that yeah. I was thinking of. But, but so it opens God damn, with him why, do, why do we both know that much about Desperado? Shit. Because it's a good it fucking is, it movie. It is a good fucking movie. Right? Now, that's a good example, though, of in a very brief period of time, you establish your character, you've got those action sequences. The point that I'm getting to, though, is that that movie filled time specifically by having these music video montage sequences just... Just to show here he's traveling. We don't need to see him in the desert all this time. Why are we seeing a tortoise in the desert? What the fuck does this have to do with anything? You know what I mean? But they're still interesting enough shots. They don't take you out of anything. But they expand the pace and they allow this movie to actually become a feature-length movie rather than literally the half hour, 45 minutes that it would be if you yeah. just condensed all the action. Yeah. You know what I mean? So this movie, um, fucking Travolta, all I can think is that he showed up to get paid. I don't think that they really did more uh, sequences where the sequences got cut down. 
I think essentially if they did anything, they may have tightened up some of the fight choreography scenes that Travolta was involved in because they're garbage to begin with. But other than that, like I don't think we really missed out on much of anything. I think they probably stretched some areas like the fucking car chase scene and all of that. Right, but sure we never get any things. sort of explanation as to what this uh, organization is. We don't need it. And it's a super cheap voiceover, the guy on the phone. Oh, <laughs> it well, sounds like shit. The sound design is terrible. Well, that's probably the least amount of money that they spent. And I guarantee you that it's the best role to have in the movie because you can you can hire Plausible any inter- deniability. I wasn't in that <laughs> exactly, and you can hire any actor. So if the movie goes to in France, that guy he speaks French. If it goes, you know, wherever the fuck it goes, yeah, that Charlie. guy's voice exactly. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we don't really need to know that much about the organization. But if they did set up for a sequel, we would have found out more about the organization. Uh, it's too bad Travolta's just a, a mopping pile of shit and uh, really should not have done this. I, I mean, I know we're harping on it, but he is a real turd in this movie. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, he's it's great em- in Hairspray. It's embarrassing how bad he is. Exactly. He was great in Hairspray, and as long as he's sticking to like musical genres and fun, happy, go-time stuff, I'm okay with that. But the minute you try to play some sort of international tough guy like this or Swordfish or, or any of those, Broken Arrow, once again, the minute you start the getting General's into this daughter, stuff. The where he's the magic detective who knows how to do everything. Oh, yeah. I never saw that one. <laughs> yeah. Too. I got some stories about that I can I know, tell you later. I know. You've told me. We've talked okay. about this before. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Uh, long and the short of it is, though... This um, movie's a real piece of shit. <laughs> I was shocked at how bad it was. And that's why I brought it. Because yeah. it's... It, it should be let me noted. Rephrase that. It should be just noted how bad this movie is. Yeah, let me rephrase this, that. This because... should not escape our clutches. Yes, exactly. And I, I am glad that we did sit down and watch it. But um, I think what shocks me the most about it is not necessarily how bad it was, but how accurate my read on this movie was. Just from that shitty poster. Yeah. You, seeing it. You called it before we even started like, the movie. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. That's why I never paid for it when it first came out in the theaters. When I saw it, I was like, there's no fucking way. And at first, I gave you I a warning, Brad. Yeah. Of, you are going to be shocked at how right you were. Well, dude. You are going to be right in ways that you are going to be <laughs> by. Yeah, and you were right. And I had completely forgotten about this movie. So when you said, no, this is the one with Travolta, I was like wait 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 wait. what and and oh yeah all i had to do was describe the poster and you went oh fuck yeah (laughs) (laughs) well you know um still right in line with uh with what we do and all in all i mean for an action shoot 'em up and everything else that goes with those genres of movies particularly luc besson i wasn't expecting a great script I was just incredibly, incredibly disappointed with the whole Travolta thing. It surprises well, me how much one actor can can just decimate the whole fucking movie. But it does not violate the one major rule, though, that I have for really, really bad movies. Hmm. It's not boring. Yeah. It's so shockingly bad continually that it is the movie that, if you want to watch a good movie, 
don't watch this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If it's a Thursday the night. The action and, doesn't make sense. If it's a Thursday night and you are incredibly stoned and go, fuck, I need something that I can just stare at. Oh. Go ahead and watch From Paris with Love. Even better. If you've just got, like, a party or you're going to a bar that has this on the TV somewhere, you know? Yeah. If it's playing in the background in sort of a harmless way where you're not directly exposed to it, <laughs> having to sit and listen and watch it it's, and it's actually like a, be focused on it. It's like a fungus. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's kind of in the background there, you know, and you can go, oh, yeah, this is that bit that I like or this is that dumb bit, I'm going to go do something else, then it's fine. You know what I mean? It's like it's like some it's of the worst of the Michael stupid. Bay. Yeah. You know? It's yeah, like, it is. It's, yeah, you know? yep, that's so, a perfect description yeah so from that perspective okay fine am i ever gonna watch this movie again God, fuck no no. Why, no why would you yeah never voluntarily never voluntarily no. if i go to someone's house and they're like oh dude have you heard of from paris with love i'll be like i sure have yeah and i decline yeah and what else you got <laughs> <laughs> you know that's basically where i'll be now oh okay okay all right and fuck you for this next question uh, Darby O'Gill and the Little People, or From Paris with Love. Which well, one would you prefer? Darby O'Gill's a far better movie. <laughs> but if Bless I'm, you. But if it's a Thursday night and I'm getting mega, mega stoned and I just want to go to bed, yeah, I'm going to watch From Paris with Love instead. <laughs> Fair. Good. Yep. Good enough. Because I don't have, like, it's so <laughs> shockingly bad that at some point it does start to grate on you of just like, why is this so terrible? Yeah. Yeah, and then you you look and you go John Travolta. That's why, yeah, and everything else. But and everything else. John yeah, Travolta. and hey, everything Brad. else. Hey, yo, hey you, yo. What do we got to plug? Let's bring this. Let's wrap um, this up. Actually, okay. So because of the strike, um, I've basically been sitting back and trying to be a bit more tacti- tactical about what I want to do coming out of the strike. I mean, these will come out months after it's done. Yes. And, um, and I definitely think we're making the right decision with that. I'm all for that. Now, that being said, there is an interesting thing, um, that has been going around within, uh, the organization. It's called the interim agreement. And effectively what that has done is allowed for a little bit of latitude in terms of, uh, the types of jobs that actors can continue to accept while the strike is going on. So from that perspective, um, what I'm looking at now are um, production models that do not require me to um, have to hire other people. So basically, I'll be um, I'll be looking at taking on, sort of uh, one-man production stuff for a little while so that I don't have to ask anybody else to potentially take a risk on something that they may not be comfortable with. Right. You know. But, so with that being said, um, I did get a new computer tower. I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but this computer tower um, is much faster than what I was working with before and I expect will allow me to um, continue to investigate some of the, these new programs that are coming out. And uh, there are some things that I think look very promising 
in terms of uh, future productions. So I actually, um, not this weekend, but next weekend, basically, I'm going to be locking down and doing a deep dive with some of this stuff. And um, the intention, <clears throat> the intention is to um, get into uh, a production pipeline that will allow for some other channels to come out and things like that. But then ultimately, once that stuff gets set up, then I'll circle back to um, Brad's movies and get back into with um, those videos. And ideally, by that time, the strike will be over and we'll be able to get back to work. And these things that I'm kind of working on now will already be in place. So I won't have to worry about those things, just check in on them and continue with that kind of production but more importantly that work will be out of the way so when the strike is over we can focus on getting back to work and i'll start really trying to push the um acting career again and see if nothing else what i can start pulling in with voiceover work and moving from there so um <clears throat> so yeah so independent work is still essentially um plotting and planning and moving forward but in terms of the strike i'm still honoring the strike 100 percent. and in terms of um, future production i just hope that we're able to resolve this um sooner rather than later and i really under hope... good terms and not just because people are starving well that's the thing man is um given Given some of the things that we're hearing, um, my original expectation was that this would all be resolved before we hit the holidays, like before Thanksgiving. But uh, with some of the grumblings and things that, who knows, man, it's hard to say, you know, I would think that there would be a move to resolve. But like you say, if it's if it's forcing people to surrender under hostile worse terms. terms yeah <laughs> hostile terms that's the best way to say it but if that's if those are the conditions then you know um then i can understand how the strike would be prolonged but i mean there's there are a lot of factors and this is a conversation that we could probably get into we could probably have a complete separate show about the strike itself and what led up to it and some of the ramifications moving forward, you know. And frankly, there's there's a, a general ambivalence about this strike that we haven't really seen before. And I don't think the industry really knows how to address. So that kind of lack of interest and lack of support for the strike as a consequence of that lack of interest that's not going to help the writers it's not going to help the actors so <clears throat> so it's a it's a difficult situation and i don't really know how it's going to break out but um i do know that there are still ways to be creative and try to stay in production and that's what i'm going to try and do so yep and uh obviously these will be out after the strike is over so uh mm -hmm. you'll have heard that we've we, for horror vomit we've just been doing general interest stuff mm -hmm. the stuff that me and james like we haven't been uh doing movies because uh we refuse to promote movies at the moment <laughs> well so, uh, that's all doing good. that and uh yeah that's about it dig it okay do you have Stream any uh on twitch 
You're streaming on Twitch now? Yeah, uh, Diablo 4 and some other shit, maybe. Dig it. Very cool. Yeah, uh, horror underscore vomit underscore Chris on uh, the old Twitcheroo. Beautiful. Yeah, that's part and parcel with what I'm uh, looking into is um, expanding out with some of these other channels because some of the videos I'm going to get into, I don't want to just be exclusively on YouTube anymore. I want to, I mean, I want to maintain YouTube as a foundation, but to be able to kick over to some of these other uh, social media sites and get videos up there because they're now becoming more accommodating for this type of um, presentation, you know, uh, if I can get more things out there then the likelihood of getting a stronger residual income passive income whatever the fuck you want to call it all of that starts to become more real so so we'll see we'll see how all of that goes but uh thanks man thanks for having yep. me over thanks then, for showing me this pile of garbage <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're a lot welcome. of fun <laughs> and yeah as i alluded to earlier this is not the first time that I've seen this. I've seen this yeah. movie a multitude of times. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. It's stupid as hell and everyone should watch it. <laughs> well, you know, there is a certain joy in watching uh, terrible movies. And I can totally appreciate why you'd be a fan of this one. Um, I just don't think I'll ever watch it again. Oh, not no, voluntarily. it's garbage. <laughs> it's absolute <laughs> horseshit. All right, my well, friend. With that, thank you again. And... Uh, uh, bye, everybody. Yeah. Th thanks. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>